we live in a, a vibrational field, a frequency of consciousness, and that consciousness field is, in human design, we say it's neutrinos, and the information, you could say, is coming from the sun, the center of our solar system, as well as a star field beyond our solar system, the constellations. And each of us is programmed to receive continually a download of information. And as you go through life, you're going to reach certain stages where the imprint shifts and all of a sudden you're connecting the dots differently and you're seeing, quote, reality or your world in a very different way. Today, I'm excited to introduce you to Barbara Ditlow. Barbara is a certified human design analyst, a coach and a teacher with a rich background in esoteric and energy healing. She studied disciplines like feng shui, astrology, yoga, intuitive healing, art therapy, and cult interventions, which means you're in for a treat. Enjoy. Barbara Ditlow, welcome to the show. Hello, Vendy. It is great to see you. You look terrific. Thank you so much. It's great to see you again as well. We have known each other for a while now, and I want to dive right in and ask you, what is this human design thing that you have so much knowledge about? Oh boy, it's a roadmap. It's a blueprint. And in a way, you could describe it as a synthesis of esoteric and exoteric knowledge. So it was a revelation. So it wasn't an intellectually arrived at body of knowledge. And I think often when you look at someone who has such an influence, worldwide influence, you always, I always look at the source. So is the source a revelation uh, where there is a total uh, frequency switch? The person is in receivership of something and in receivership, their life has been changed. And then there are people that have this pure intellectual brilliance, which is stunning. And they're able to connect dots in a way that has a very powerful impact on people. So this is a revelation. It came from a voice, which you could say was a frequency, and it was over a seven-day period. And it basically synthesized the Hindu Brahman chakra system, uh, the rave, you could say the, the uh, 64 hexagrams of the I Ching, uh, the, Hin the, I guess you could call it the Kabbalah or Tree of Life, and then astrology. So that's esoteric. But on the exoteric side, you have genetics, biochemistry, and you have physics because we talk about the quantum. So basically, it's something where there are a lot of parts, but the parts are changed and the whole becomes greater than the sum of the parts. So it does use the hexagrams of the I Ching, but they're changed because they're connected to astrology and planetary imprints. And then there's the Kabbalah, but they connect different chakras. So it's a physical map that you can hold and say, oh, this is how this synthesis comes together in what is called me. And then it also deals with two birth dates. So it's a binary consciousness. Now, Jung and many of the psychologists combine what we call the not-self and the unconscious into one lump. And human design differentiates in the design, that aspect, your person, your the day you were born, let's say you're born January 1st, 1950, then that sets a whole series of thoughts as to who you think you think you are. But then the unconscious most likely would be, uh, let's say, October 1st, Libra. 
And that would be unconscious in you. And those would be forces operating that you have no control of. You can sit and meditate. You can do whatever you want to do. But those are chemical frequencies or frequencies that are stepped down to chemical responses, reactions in your body. And that's going to work at odds with who you think you think you are. And so that creates a dynamic, which we can call the, you could call it the holy war, or you could call it the war between conditioning you away from your true self or that inner authority which is embedded within your design that can lead you to the fulfillment of your purpose and a feeling of being present with all that is. We call that, or human design calls that passenger consciousness. Now, what's very interesting about human design, I find it very simple. Um, I'm very practical, and so I want a tool that I can use where I don't have to think about things a lot. And so the tool that they have is decision-making. How do you make decisions? How do you make decisions And the other tool that they have is that there's an inner authority or a process by which you make decisions. And it's the decision-making that deconditions you from the forces that are bringing what we call the not-self, which can be uh, self-hatred, depression, all sorts of things. So that's just a quick overview. It, It works with two birthdays, which makes it different than, you could say, astrology. But astrology can be a very good tool. I love this. And I think for anyone who just heard this, this for sure doesn't seem simple to us. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm so intrigued by it. So help us understand on a practical level, why would why would anyone care about this? You mentioned decision making. Mm-hmm. It helps you understand how to make decisions. Can you unpack that for us mm-hmm. a little bit? That's a great question, because if you look at how many books are written about the importance of decision making, We can look at, anyone can look at their life and say, what was I thinking when I made that decision, especially in relationships? You know, it's like you you meet this person, you think it's fabulous, and then like, what was that about? Okay. (laughs) Why did I make that decision? So you go to the therapist's couch or you beat yourself up or you think whatever. So the decision-making says the mind cannot make the decision. The mind, how you think, because according to brain scientists, they can validate that from the gray matter of your brain, thoughts are fed to the frontal uh, cerebral cortex nanoseconds before you think about it. So you could say your thoughts are not your own, that you're actually being thought, that you're programmed. So if you, you could say if the matrix, if you're designed to have the matrix make decisions for you, you'll never leave the matrix. Okay, you'll never leave it. If if your mother is always making decisions for you, you'll never leave your mother because you'll need the mother to make your decisions for you. So human design is about separating yourself from external force making decisions for you through your conditioning and finding some frequency, some way in your body to make decisions, which allows you to become your own authority. Because we can't separate, human design says you're not floating in a universe devoid of interactions with other people. You're going to meet other people. You're going to have situations where you have to make decisions based on how you're going to relate to other people. Other people will influence you. And so that's kind of the game of life. So it's how do you make decisions? Do you engage or do you pull back? It's real simple. And and different people have energy types. There are four energy types. And this is how the life force moves through you. So in a way, it says, hey, There's a life force that's moving through you and wants to liberate you from 
your conditioning in a way that you can really empower other people and commune with other people as, quote, people say your authentic self. But even your authentic self is kind of a concept. <laughs> I'm loving this so much. I have 3,000 questions, so this is going to be a beautiful episode. So first thing I want to ask is, who is this frequency thing, whatever it is that is planting thoughts into our mind before we think? Like where, where, where's that? Where's that coming from? <laughs> you could say we live in a, a vibrational field, the frequency of consciousness. And that consciousness field is, in human design, we say it's neutrinos. And the information, you could say, is coming from the sun, the center of our solar system as well as a star field beyond our solar system, the constellations and Milky Way and whatever. It's all information. And each of us is programmed to receive continually a download of information every second, every millisecond. So we're moving in and out of an information field. And as you go through life, you're going to reach certain stages where the imprint shifts and all of a sudden you're connecting the dots differently and you're seeing quote, reality or your world in a very different way. And so we have this information field that we interact with. <clears throat> now, the mystery of what this information field is, it becomes your journey. It's is the, In human design, they call it the program, a non-human entity, a program that operates, you know, the, the universe. Um, in religions, we can call it the Atman. We can call it God. We can call it whatever we want to call it because... Our mind is not necessarily equipped to have those neural connections that can give us what is the totality of what's outside of us. However, there is a potential of experience that totality within us as we live our lives. And there are many non-dualists, uh, Nisargadatta, Ramana Maharshi, Eckhart Tolle, uh, who are what we call non-dualists, and they're dealing with the oneness and the stepping into the presence of all that is, but it's not intellectual. Now, human design is dealing with the illusion. It's dealing with the matrix. It's dealing with, yeah, we're all one, but we are one entity moving through this flow of information, and we're different. So human design says we're differentiated from everybody around us. No one is the same, but we're homogenized to be like everybody else. So the key mm -hmm. is to say, okay, your imprint, your body graph shows what's consistent fixed and reliable in you in terms of how the life force, this individual electromagnetic energy field, wants to operate through you as you and impact, empower, or, uh, you know, show up in the world. And a lot of the alignment that we're talking about or coming home is coming back to your uniqueness. So what I love about the New Age is all the different people that are out practicing and sharing their insight of what is. So I'll immediately find their birth time, if I can, but their birthday. I'll run their chart and I'll say, oh my God, manifesting generator. Of course they're out there. Because it's one thing to know your path. It's another thing to know that is your path expressed with enormous charismatic energy, as yours is, or is it more quiet, reserved as a projector or as a reflector? So human design goes into the energy type, as well as the decision-making, so you can kind of enjoy your ride and kind of mm -hmm. say, I'm going to throw out the ruler of comparative thought 
and not feel mm-hmm. like less than because this person's out there at this per- and this oh my god why can't I ah mm. the, the the mind becomes a circus and yeah. the beauty of it is that I find it throws away the measuring stick comparative thought you don't compare yourself to others because we have a different gift to present to the world and that's the challenge because we're in a world where there's a lot of mind control going on and says in order to achieve this, you have to look this way, you have to act this way. So there are huge homogenization forces going on. And that's yeah. the challenge to break from that. And you mentioned, okay, there are four energy types in human design. You mentioned, hey, Wendy, you're a manifesting generator and there's yeah. other types. Could we expand on sure. how does knowing that I'm a manifesting generator actually help me or affect me or guide me. So the manifesting generator is a subtype of the generator. There are four types. And there's kind of a hierarchy with the types. You have the manifester, the generator, and the manifesting generator, and the projector and the reflector. And they all come down to different auras. Different auras are information fields that vibrate outside of your body. And we have Mm -hmm. validation that auras exist. And the generator aura is open and enveloping. And based on statistical data, 70% of the population comes in as generators, meaning you are required to be fulfilled in your life to love what you do. Now, isn't that nice? (laughs) Isn't that nice? You must love what you do. So you could be strapped with bills and be a cog in a wheel and feel really, um, you could say, stuck. You can't get out. Mm -hmm. But then you get Mm -hmm. human design and you say, well, my birthright is to find what I love to do. And it's all about making decisions through response. Now, the other thing I want to say about generators is they have the stamina to work. They have a frequency in them where they connect to this information field, this matrix or the consciousness field, where they're given energy to work, to go, 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 go. And they have to use that energy up but they need direction for that energy. So the direction Mm -hmm. can come from a particular type. The best type would be projectors because projectors are what we call guides, advisors, and they have a way of interpreting and feeling and amplifying the energy in generators because they don't have the same thing. So whenever a generator goes by, they're like, they can feel the energy and they know how to guide it. So there's that relationship there. And then we have the manifestors that have a closed aura, and they're not designed to be influenced so much by people as they are with, you could say, the star field and planetary movements. They're very different, and they are tremendous power for powerful forces, impactful forces in the world. And then we have the reflectors, and those are, you could say, the shamans. They're a group kind of person, and they're able to you could say, find the mean average of what's experiencing uh, what is going on in the group and who's ready to break from the group confines and and go to another level of understanding, evolution, or whatever. So when you know your type, you kind of know your place. Kind of know your place. And so that's, that's the beauty I find in human design because we're in a culture, at least in the United States, where it's just do it. Do, 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 do. Go, 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 go. And a lot of people don't have that energy. And a lot of people who do have that energy are caught in the 
the world of vamp being vampirized by other people who want to use their energy for their agenda and not for the personal agenda. And perhaps you could say people, you know, because most of the world would say, yeah, of course I want to do what I love. Of course we understand this is our life. I want to, I want to enjoy this journey. Then I guess we stay in stuck in certain places because of fear. Mm-hmm. So let's bring this back to decision making. Maybe we can go through all the four types. How does knowing that your specific type help you make decisions that are maybe you would say in line with you and how you're supposed to move in this world rather than condition. This is what you should do. This is what, how you should act. This is your path. You know, don't deviate from it. Otherwise you'll be in trouble and not going to be successful. So it's interesting. Uh, you can't really think your way through it, but, but maybe <laughs> you can, but I don't think you can think your way through it from my experience. And I've been experiencing human design for 20 plus years. Um, and as a result you can't look at it as something that is static, like a piece of information. I'm picking up a book, I'm reading it. That's a process of reading the book from the front to the end. Human design is a shamanic deconditioning process where as you make more decisions, the effect becomes cumulative because it's stripping away the conditioning that your mind thought, oh, this is who I have to be. Mm-hmm. I have to be this way to be enlightened. I remember when I was in a session with a very enlightened person and one of the people in the audience, and I love the question, it said, but you don't look like you should be enlightened. You don't have an erect spine. You're not charismatic. Your voice is quiet. Why are you enlightened and I'm not? I love the question. It was delicious because you could see that that person had a concept of what does enlightenment look like? What does awakeness look like? And it's different for every person. Because your energy, how you express it, and your place in the totality is going to be very different. So for, let's say, for a generator, your way you make decisions is primarily through response. Now, human design also does not divide the world male-female. It divides it in terms of who has to take more time in making a decision and can never be 100% clear versus those people that can be very quick decision makers. And it's about 51% are what we call more nuanced in their decision making and cannot be pressured into making a quick decision. And then those of us, I'm in that category of being a quick decision maker. You know, it, it just comes, the clarity is there, let's go ahead. Neither one takes priority. Mm-hmm. Together they get a different picture of how we move through this through this consciousness field. So let's say you're just a generator, you're not on the wave. There's going to be a gut response or a feeling around the navel that really is going to begin to wake up and start vibrating or connecting to the frequencies around you. Now, a lot of people are going to be shut down because from early education, it's all about thinking your way through things. So this is where I say it's an unfolding awakening to that frequency in your body. And what you're just doing is aligning that frequency of what's outside of you with that frequency of your true nature that's within you, less resistance. Now, so I'll give you an example. I have a nine-month-old grandson, little generator, and it is wonderful being around him because all you hear is, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Now, I know projector children, you do not hear that. You do not hear that. A generator, there's a real, this energy. You could almost say they're in their car, They're putting the pedal on the accelerator. They're putting their foot on the accelerator pedal. They can feel the potential power. Uh, 
but they're not quite ready to fully express it. And so the generator wants to find what they love because when they find what they love, there's no resistance and they can begin this fulfillment, the self-love, the, the ability to really express their gift. They're what we call their outer authority, what's unique within them. No one else can do it to the world. And they feel what we call satisfaction rather than constant frustration. And so you can look for role models, but ultimately you could say, oh my God, this is the best person. He's pulling all the people. He's got a million followers, but your gut response could be, it doesn't, it, you're not getting the pull. And then your mind comes in and says, well, you really need this. And then you can get very frustrated because then you want to quit. So with a, with a generator, when you're really aligned, you get pulled along because you want to get to that next level of mastery of yourself and whatever you're doing, because the love demands it. The love demands that you express that. And then the reward is self-love. You, you say, whoa, but it's not, it's not an egotistical self-love. You're watching your movie, you step aside, and you're watching how everything becomes synchronistic. People turn up at the right time. Things happen where you are not really doing things. So things get done without you doing them. Now, that saying you say, what do you mean? It means that as you're more aware of that frequency through you, you're watching that frequency that's aligned with what you're meant to do, help you materialize, actualize that, that gift that you have. So when you decided to do podcasts, that was mm -hmm. probably a feeling or something that interests you. And I'll bet the final decision was, this is what I, I would love to do. I would like to learn through other people's experiences. And then through that response, you had to kind of wait for the timing, for that mm -hmm. flow and that frequency to be accurate. Was that your experience? Yeah. And I think what I hear you say is it is easy for us to be like, especially in a business world, I should do X, Y, and Z because look, it's like, oh, well, this person is where I think I want to be. And now I need to do what they're doing. And it might be there's more resistance, might be harder. And what you're saying is like, hey, just check in first. Or I feel like what I really, I don't want to say don't like, mm -hmm. what I don't resonate with if I, because I love taking coaching programs and rolling in courses, things like that. Mm -hmm. When someone says, follow the program, follow this program to a T if you want to get results, I'm like, you don't even understand. This is, you can absolutely, I cannot be, I will take something that I need and resonates with me, but like following the whole thing, it's just not my path. And it doesn't feel aligned. And I feel like a lot of people struggling. They they get a coach and they're like, this is, you're telling me to do this, but it just, it's not for me. So mm -hmm. you're saying rather than allowing your mind to think through, well, this is what I should do. And I should follow this person because they have this perceived credibility or whatever. You're like, hey, listen to your gut or intuition or like, how does it feel? And you taught me this. So can you expand on how do I, how do you generators listen to their gut? So if someone ask them a question like do you want to do this mm -hmm. do you want to start a podcast how would they know if it's the right time or if they should do it in the first place well first of all they're going to feel something in their body in other words there's a response mechanism you're going to be listening to someone if you didn't know what a podcast was you wouldn't have anything to respond to so you wouldn't do a podcast okay if podcasts mm -hmm. didn't exist that wouldn't even be there so let's say you're visiting a friend and you watch this conversation of two people and you're saying Oh, that's interesting. I like being the, you know, being the little uh, fly on the wall, so to speak, observing this conversation. 
I don't have to participate. I can learn from it. But I would like to be in the driver's seat. I would like to ask the questions, my questions, so my questions can be answered. So that process can go condensed into just a mm mm-hmm, where you feel mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You find yourself just humming along and feeling really relaxed with the process. And then you feel maybe an energy around the navel and something begins to excite you. It's pulling you. There's a response where, let me figure this out a little bit more. So curiosity, curiosity is so wonderful because the one, a gift, I would say, of generators is to be curious in terms of what is the response. Because the key to the generative response is that it comes to you like a question and you're going to either say, mm-hmm, for yes or uh-uh, for no, or there's nothing, which means you need more information. Or maybe you're in a field that's making you confused. You say the timing is off. Or you're going to feel, some people feel a buzz, an energy that's being released. Or they just feel a knot in their stomach. It's like, do not go forward. So mm -hmm. there's a unique, uh, you could say, awareness in each person on how that generative response works. But the key is, it is conditioned by the mind to be shut down. So you have yeah. to be gentle with yourself and just, I will say to generators, start humming in the shower. Mm. If you're in meditation groups, when you do the OM, that's a frequency where you begin to feel all the energy centers align in your body. And basically what that generative response is, is the alignment of your electromagnetic field with what's outside of you and says, yes, experience that, learn from it, grow from it. And so there's a curiosity involved instead of this is my goal. I have to follow this, but your gut wants to move somewhere else. And that's where that's where the fun begins, because you're saying, oh, boy, I better go this way because this is my gut response. And you begin to learn over time. So that's that's kind of how that gut response works. And because I'm not a generator, I feel that energy as a projector, I can feel that energy around generators. I can feel when it's ragged. I can feel when it's exhausted. I can feel because I'm amplifying it. And then mm -hmm. I can say, whoa, slow down, honey. <laughs> or what are you doing? <laughs> that kind of thing. And you're amplifying it because you're a projector, right? And yes. that's what projectors do. Yes. We're kind of energy specialists. I love that. And I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, the condition to, it's always like, the whole world is telling you to be logical like make logical decisions with your mind create goals with your mind everything and it's like what do you mean this intuition thing or like maybe there's a business deal and it makes perfect sense or someone asks like oh do you do you want to partner up with something do you want to like co-host a pod podcast whatever it is and it makes sense in your mind but like there's like oh something something's off so that's what you're calling that inner guidance something's trying to stop you and alarm you and we need to start like listening. Yeah, it's it's breaking you out of a conditioned pattern of I should and I must. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not saying that conditioning is bad. It's that you have to know that there are malevolent forces in the matrix. There's good and evil. Now, mm -hmm. if we go to a higher dimension, non-dualism, you know, we're all one. But we're talking human design is about dualism. It's about the matrix. It's about good and evil, you know, up and down, yin, yang. It's about how you navigate through that electromagnetic field so you're not caught. I think, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people see a lot of 
you know, you just know the people who bring light in this world and, yes. and the people who bring the darkness. And mm-hmm. you know, there's always that battle in our world, I feel like. It's balancing itself out when darkness rises, more people, I yes. would say, awaken. And I want to... I want to get your, because you mentioned enlightenment, and I feel like this word, people feel like, well, that's like this aspirational thing, and like, what even is this, like, enlightenment? Like, this is intelligent thing, like, I get super smart, or this woo-woo thing, what is it? I think it's a frequency. I think, I think it's a frequency where you are outside of your imprinted consciousness. There's something else going on. It's another dimension, and you will see it in the person's eyes. So when I was working with Eckhart Tolle before, you know, 1999, 2000, I sponsored him in New York. And I thought, what's this with the eyes? Because he had a couple students that were coming. And I was kind of, a, I, was, I was doubting everything because I'd been trained as a cult interventionist. I was looking at the new age and the traps in the new age and the philosophies and the egos and all that. So I was curious because I picked up the power of now. It had just come out and I was Uh, called up and asked if I could sponsor Eckhart. And when he came to New York, he was preceded by some of the students that were coming into the class. And a couple of them had these looks in their eyes. They said, what's this this glitter in your eyes? (laughs) And then when Eckhart was up there, now it was amazing because his eyes were on fire. I'd never seen anything like that. In his presence, there was a field. There was a field that was very different than anything I'd been in. So when you speak of enlightenment, it is not conscious that you strive for I would say a higher frequency takes you over and you don't surrender to it. It surrenders you to it, the frequency. So the normal human, I need to be this way or that way, is released. Now, Ra's awakening, he does not use the word enlightenment. He uses awakening. And his experience was being a messenger to a voice, being a clarion, to get a message about how does this box called the matrix work. He calls it the program. And his tool is awaken to the fact that you're not who you think you are and that your controlling mechanism is the mind because the mind, you're being thought, you're not thinking. And so if the mind becomes your decision maker, then you're just repeating that trigger from the gray matter of the brain to the the neocortex. You're just reactive. So the taking the decision making into the body in a strange way liberates you from that conditioning that you were raised with and brings you great wisdom in terms of what what you're designed to really experience in life versus just feeding that, quote, program. Now, if we look at David Icke, David Icke speaks about, a, that's like a spider. There's, a, there's an entity in the center of a web. So what I suggest to people is to understand that there are different terms for awakening in human design, it's to wake up to your design and your way of making decisions so you can sit back and really experience what this ride is all about. And it's through frequencies and watch how things happen without having to strive to push the river, to make it happen, to do all this. You're sitting back and it doesn't mean that you're not busy. It doesn't mean that you're not working. It means that there's something working through you. and. Yeah. And if you look at the podcast, I have a feeling that that's what you began to experience when you decided to do the podcast, because you could read books, but where your next, let's say, stage of learning was really talking to people. Where was where they, Because I, when I was a little girl, my grandmother had a, a little plaque on the wall, and she said, 
I love to look at my books as old friends and my friends as old books. And so, you know, the narrative, the story, the books, you know, you can, and the power of technology is actually to speak to people, talk to people, learn about their perception. Yeah. Well, I'm by nature, feel like very curious. Um, and I do love that through learning more about human design, I am more tapping into like, is this the right direction to take? Because mm -hmm. the mind will trip me up and be like, hey, you had decided this and now you no longer want to do it. And I'm like, hey, you're breaking your own promise. And then it's yes. like, oh, I don't want to lose my own integrity. And there's the whole story. I'm up here and mm -hmm. I'm like caught up in that where before I even made that decision, I'm trying to now differentiate which part of me made this decision. Like that I thought this is a great idea because X, Y, and Z and all the logic, or was it like, oh, I have an idea. I typically, I, I can journal, movement helps a lot, gym, walk, whatever. And suddenly I'm like, this is brilliant. Like I need to do this. Like I need to do this. Like, like suddenly I get this idea. And I used to say before new human design say, as I was growing up, I used to say, I love my mind because out of nowhere, I would be like an idea what to do that mm -hmm. came out of nowhere. I didn't have it before. Mm -hmm. And I used to yeah, say like, oh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what's happening here, but the mind is great. And now I'm like, no, it's coming from somewhere else. And suddenly this is the direction I need to take. And so what you just said there is that human design, the mind is the outer authority when you're aligned with your decision making process, then all those ideas the your skill sets they're expressed through that and so we have the inner authority that which makes decisions and the outer mm -hmm. authority your unique expression of what you want to contribute to the whole so it's not derivative i mean hollywood is so derivative i can turn on movies from the 40s and i'll say oh they're just redigesting it now with more drama more shock you know whatever and human design says you're not derivative you're unique and if you're unique there's no comparison how can you compare a unique the unique, you can't. But you can compare derivative to derivative. Yeah. And it's interesting in the financial markets, a lot of the problems we're in is because the derivative market off $1, and then through the derivative markets, we have a value that's so unreal, you could say, that being a derivative yourself is what creates a lot of discomfort in people. That's what I think oftentimes when they realize, I'm not who I'm meant to be. There's something mm. off here. I'm not a derivative of my mother or the religion or the school or the society. I have to find out what makes me unique. And that becomes a starting point of human design. And so human design is a tool. Some people will relate to it and some people will say, ah, it's nuts. But it's, yeah. it's how you're made, what you're attracted to. Yeah. And I'm sure not everyone's made to resonate with it. There's yeah, different. Exactly. And again, this goes back to like not comparing, being like, hey, you, you, you pick what aligns with you. And try to more listen, like tap into your body. So you mentioned your projector, you mentioned you get that instant response as well. I'm a manifesting generator, which falls under generators. I get that immediate, like, mm-hmm or mm-mm. So what do other people do? The ones that don't get that immediate hit of like, this is the direction I should take. Yeah. Um, they're, they're people that are emotional uh, generators, emotional projectors, emotional manifestors. And that means one thing. <clears throat> they have to sleep on things until they feel less nervous. So it requires time. It requires time. So <clears throat> most people are going to be in a field. If you're with a friend or if you're out with a group of people, you're an emotional force field. 
And if you decide to make quick decisions, you may not feel that quickness and that spontaneity or that knowing because you're taking in the emotional field of other people and you're saying, well, wait, maybe this, maybe this, maybe this, and you can feel a little nervous. So what I have found, because most of my friends are all on the wave, meaning we call it a wave pattern. And it simply means that you take in information with a frequency that gives you a certain passion for something or a need for something or a desire for something. And it puts you in this emotional, you could say, theater where you either like, yes, I've got to do this or no, I'm, I'm, I can't do this. We could call it mild forms of bipolar or, you know, they're mild waves. I got to be in a community. Oh, no, they rejected me and I wanted to be included. So there are different patterns of this emotionality. So it basically means that someone who has that in their design, oh, they're juicy and they're wonderful to be around. But those people that have that must give themselves time to be less nervous about saying yes or no. And they're not going to be necessarily 100% clear unless they've done something over and over again and they say, yeah, I can do this. Because what happens is they allow themselves for time to take care of business. In other words, if they act too quickly, maybe there's not a higher ordering of events that have lined up circumstances to be supportive to the yes that they're going to make rather mm-hmm. than the no that they make. So the timing mm-hmm. is, so so you could say the emotional people are designed to wait, to be less nervous. So their actions, their ideas are harmonized to a higher ordering of events. So that's that, you know, you're synchronizing with the outer world through the right timing. And we know timing is important. And I love what you told me, I think, once upon a time was like, you know, no is not a denial. It might just not be the right time. Yes. And I think the more aware I become of all these concepts, the more I can see myself when I force something again out of my mind and mm-hmm. nothing's working. I don't understand why. And I'm like going more with my force. And I'm like, I'm going to push this through. And like, there's so much resistance everywhere. I'm like, why? And then I might do the same thing again six months later. And now it's a flow. And this podcast, mm-hmm. all the people I'm getting introduced to so many people, like I'm, I'm not doing anything. Like I'm just like facilitating this, but like, it's just, a, it's very easy. It's in flow. Mm-hmm. Um, what I want to ask is how would someone know? So if they open up their chart, right, we'll put in a show notes, like how to get your chart. So they open up this chart. How, how do they now look at their chart and know how they're supposed to make a decision. Sleep on it, like wait to get more clarity or like they know instantly. Yeah, depending on the the, um, <clears throat> the software program, because there are many different software programs out there. And similar to, let's say, the Christian religion, there are many different sects, mm-hmm. CTS of human design. But what yeah. they want to look for is inner authority. If the inner authority says solar plexus, and that's one of the chakras, that's one of the centers, that means that they have to take time to make a decision and, and they're going to feel the decision. It's going to, it has to do with nervousness. The awareness is I'm less nervous. So let me go ahead. It doesn't mean they're certain. It means mm-hmm. they're less nervous and things apparently have aligned to their direction and then they have to experience it. So we could say less nervous inner yeah. authority will be solar plexus. If it's not solar plexus, then there's 50% of the population that have different authorities. So if they're not, solar plexus, emotional authority, then Mm -hmm. most likely they're going to be sacral authority. 
that means they're going to be a generator and it will say what type on the on the chart it means yeah. that they have to make decisions through response remember it comes down to the decision making yeah. through the gut response and then there are people that are what we call manifestors manifestors they can be either emotional they can be on the way but 50% of them are very spontaneous so they're going to they will make spontaneous decisions in the moment spontaneous recognition boom they have to find out who they need to inform of their actions and how many is you're saying we're all unique like every single one of us how many different charts are there you know you put in your birth information at the time you were born like how many different versions of us let's say through understanding it through human design are there infinite thousands i would guess i don't know <laughs> Like snowflakes. Like snowflakes. <laughs> it's going to be like that. The other thing <clears throat> that human design, you could almost say, and that question that you just asked was relevant, is that they go into how you're motivated. In other mm. words, it goes into if you're not motivated correctly, this marriage of the conscious and the unconscious doesn't work. I mean, you, your life is a mess. So motivation is something that's very important. And then the tone, in other words, how your cognitive awareness operates, how you think. This is just kind of the refinement of the snowflake analogy because you could be born the same day, the same time, but then we've got an, there are other variations that come in, the base, the tone, the color, whatever. Yeah, I mean, the first time I looked at a chart, I was like, what? <laughs> what is this? I absolutely do not understand a single thing. And I still just scratching the surface. The key is just knowing your type that you're a yeah. manifesting generator, that you have a charismatic energy that has to be aligned to your environment so this energy can be projected out into the world. And then you draw people to you. And that requires you to do what you love so that charisma can be expressed. That's all you really need to know. And then life comes to you. And then you find out, whoa, this is, this is kind of cool. I didn't effort this at all. I didn't push the river. Everything came to me and now I can initiate. Yeah. No, this is not everyone, right? And then there's things that we call oh, yeah. gates and channels. And yes. there's different colors in your design when you see. And there's white spots. You could say the gates, since you talked about it. The gates, when we started, that was a synthesis of different esoteric and exoteric information. The gates refer to the 64 hexagrams, mm -hmm. 64 hexagrams. So we call them gates, but they're energy frequencies. So the gate is there waiting to release the current or not. So it's a potential for a particular human experience to be released in your life. Okay. So you could say your incarnation cross in human design, we have your job description. The incarnation cross has four gates, which means four potential expressions of the human experience and that cross, because people say, what's this right angle cross of this or the left angle cross of this? It's really yeah. your job description in terms of harmonizing the elements, earth, air, fire, water. You know, it, it could be if you're a fixed cross, it's going to be Scorpio, Taurus, Leo, and Aquarius. If you're a mutable cross, it's going to be, this is where astrology comes in, if yeah. you're a mutable cross, that's going in the that's going to be like the sleeping phoenix that's going to be pisces and gemini and virgo and sagittarius so all of these frequencies are embedded in your design too but i'm going a little deep there i mean yeah. probably a lot of this is going over my head though i love it and i love that you have this knowledge i came back because i realized but but see when i look at a chart and i think this is very important it appears two dimensional it's static 
but there's a lot of that nothing's constant except what shows up as color. Anything that's white means traps or great wisdom. And so there's a lot of you know wisdom that we're to gain in our life. The one thing that's fixed, consistent is the colored areas, and those are what we call the centers or the chakras. And they are, you could say, learning centers. And if they're colored in, you kind of know what you need to know in that center. But if it's uh, the center's white, that's where it gets kind of delicious. <laughs> that's where the story comes. That's where the drama comes. Okay, let's let's like, go into that. So okay. if you look at your chart right now and you see white centers, meaning they're not colored in, mm-hmm. you mentioned that's where the traps come in or your wisdom. Can we expand into this? Okay, I have, I have a couple of white centers. What do I need to know? So the white centers are not empty. There's tremendous information and potential experiences within those centers. That's why Ra referred to them as the school where you're going to go to. And the colored areas are the student that you are. So you've already learned this, but you're going to go to the school. So let's say your G center is open. And that is the center that has a frequency that deals with love and direction. Now, love and direction is very interesting because everybody's looking for love and everybody's looking for direction. Now, if it's colored in, you're already born with a fixed way of finding love and direction. It's going to be a fixed way. It can be through uh, many. I don't want to go too deep. There's a fixed way. If it's open, it means you're going to explore all the different ways that you can feel love, all the different potential directions. Now, the challenge, the trap is you get caught in one way or you get into a situation where you're in the wrong place, you meet the wrong people, your life doesn't work, and you're saying, you know, what's a problem here? But that's interesting because once you realize it's a problem, then you begin to say, how can I get out of this trap This is not the relationship I want. This is not the job that I want. I'm not a leader. I'm going to lead through listening. Or maybe, you know, maybe I have the vision, but I don't know how to implement it. So my direction is not so much this way, it's that way. And so you become wise. You kind of understand what your direction is through your experience. You learn what you are by through what you're not. And one of the greatest experiences is relationships or your parents. And so, mm-hmm. so the beauty of that is that when I call it a trap, you can get in there, but the way you get out is through decision-making. And like your inner listening to your, to your yes. body. Yes. So let's say you're in a relationship in a job you don't like, and yet you're getting adulation from other people. Oh my God, you're making a six-figure income. You're mm-hmm. dating this guy. Oh my God. Or you're dating this girl, whatever it is. And all of a sudden you realize, but I feel so empty. This is not this is not who I am. Now that mm-hmm. emptiness means that you've had the experience of the direction of a big job. And that's not bad. It's part of what has empowered you to get to this next stage of unfolding. But you're saying, I'm not satisfied. So what else is there? So part of your path says, Okay, I know about that direction and I know about that quality of love, but it's not satisfying me. I'm not feeling at peace. I'm not feeling uh, seen and I'm getting very disappointed in life. So then you've got the wisdom that let me try something else. And then you move into making a different decision, which takes you to a new experience of that. So the open centers are incredible sources of potential wisdom. 
or that's where the trauma lies. So when I'm doing charts, you can always see where the dilemmas lie for people. And it gets a little complex because these centers, there are nine of them, and each of them has a frequency that can dominate the rest. So it's very interesting in human design, the major center that has the greatest impact, if it's open, is what we call the ego center. Now, the Talk ego about center, that. Please yes. help me. Okay. <laughs> the ego center, now I'm going to go back to frequencies. I would define next, I would ex- say that the ego center is a forcing current and where it's like, I have to, I've really got to do this. I have to do this to prove myself because inherently your self-esteem is based on how your mind checks off the boxes of how you've accomplished what you need to accomplish to belong to the group and be recognized by the group. Mm-hmm. So what happens is the uh, the source of power is outside of you. It's in the out of the world. It's not in in your knowing, knowing that you're something larger than who you think you are. And there's a frequency moving through that wants to express itself in that unique way. And so what happens is you overcompensate. You say, I can't really, you do too much in a relationship. You do too much on your job. You Because you just want to be seen. You have this ego need to prove yourself. And this is where it can get distorted. What you put out there gets very distorted. Now, I have an open ego. I have that open. And I remember the beauty of understanding that. And Ra said to me, you know, let it go. Let it go. And it was curious because I'd been trained as an astrologer, an intuitive healer, a feng shui analyst, a real estate broker. But when Rod did my reading and he said, let it go, I could feel my identity begin to crumble. Because even though it's not dealing with the identity center, it is pushing for an identity. I think this is where, see the centers, there's this thing called imposter syndrome. We would call that living your not self, living someone that you can never be because the frequency of that is not authentic. You carry the authentic frequency of who you are. And if it's an open ego, you don't have to do it. You step aside and follow your decision-making process and that energy moves through you and the ego, it's not an issue. You're in the presence of a frequency that's much greater than what your mind can comprehend. And your mind kind of has to get out of the way Because the mind says, who do you think you are? Why are you doing this? Why you? That's the the ego. Can you relate? I mean, yes, there's proving myself. I did a lot of that. (laughs) I still probably partially do it. And it's like, let it go. But then like, if something's not working the way I want it to be, I'm like, up in my head, it's like, why? And I'm like, okay, this is is a journey. (laughs) So I go probably up up and down. It's not, and having said that though, I, when I started my business, so I was in a tech company before and I had a very good role and very good pay and all the things and what the world would want, you could say, right? And my mom was like, so you're going to give this up and all the promotions and everything like you're in a, like you're doing so well. And I was like, but I'm not, I'm not happy. Like, this is like, I'm just, I was so pulled somewhere else. I was like, I didn't care. And I feel like that's maybe the place of surrender. It's like, I, I just cannot. Like, I, this is not my thing. I'm very good at this, but this is not my thing. And I need to go this new direction and allow it to unfold. And that's when I started my business. Best thing. And, and, your, and your business, when you started your business, what was your business? That was, yeah, LinkedIn marketing. So okay. all things marketing. And then 
that's like two years and then getting into my existential crisis of like, oh my God, this is, I'm not happy with this again. And then, you know, all the stories of like, well, to build, this is already working. So if you just stick with this for five years, 10 years, you'll be so far, you'll have, you'll have the, let's say financial abundance, all the things, you'll have all the things. Like I've read all the business books and it's like, you just have to stay on track because most people will give up. And at the same time, my soul is screaming and I'm like, I cannot do this. So there's that internal battle of like, so do I just give all of this up? That's it. Give this up and I start a new journey again. So yeah, internal battles. Are those the open ego battles? I love it. And so you've experienced that journey yourself. Now, where you are right now, all of the experiences that you've had, the knowledge that you've gained, the skill sets that you've gained, have set the platform for your next unfolding, for your next experience. And that's what you can see. There there are kind of no errors in the game, but when you're ready to explore at a deeper level, there is a certain, the mind will say you're taking a risk. And your mother, out of love for you and your accomplishments that were not available to her at the time that she grew up, she would say, oh my God, what are you doing? But you're wired differently And that would be the normal reaction of a parent because, again, we're raised in a culture that has limitations and it also has possibilities. And each, every 10 years, things change. And so you have the the economic, uh, you could say, liberation where you know you can take care of yourself economically. And so that gives you the ability to explore other avenues and really be in service to other people in that way. Yeah, there's probably just that period of always going through like this existential thing of, well, I guess this is the mind, the mind telling the stories, are you doing the right thing? You could so make this work, this could so be on paper, the great thing, but then the soul, this is, I guess, the inner guidance is like, oh, but I, I need to, I need to, I need to let this go. I need to let it go. It's a new, it's a new path. So I can definitely see the traps and the wisdom of the open centers. I would love to, something you mentioned is that when we're around other people, we can get influenced by their energy. Oh yeah. Could you expand on what you mean by that? We're, we all carry an information field around us. So we're, when we're in aura with other people, we're picking up information at a level our mind can't really process for us. But people will always say, in the 60s, when a lot of things were happening, the lingo was, oh, you have great vibrations. You know, it's like, I love the color of your aura. So people were beginning to break out of the fact that we were just solid bodies, that there was mm-hmm. something else going on. So there's something else goes that goes on <clears throat> literally determines how you experience other people. So let's say you're a generator. So generators, I call them the sorority girls, or the frat boys. Not with disrespect. It's that you can really create groups because your aura is open and it's designed to pull people towards you. So when generators go out, they're designed, if they're healthy, you know, to, to, to have an open aura. People feel like they can step into the aura and get to know you. Now, projectors don't. They have an open aura, but their aura demands that they focus on a person and It's like a laser beam going into you, and they can be very invasive if they're not invited. But speaking to thousands of projectors over the years, never feel part of a group. They never feel part of a group because their aura is not designed 
to be part of a group and to be able to experience that, they've got to be one-on-one. They've got to find mm-hmm. out who are you in the group. Why? Because their survival depends on what they learn from the other person. So, so they have to master the human landscape very differently than, than generators. So when we're in, a, we call it a conditioning field, we have to be very aware of how we're feeling or experiencing the other and trust that experience in the moment. And you could almost say that reflectors are the, the, the lunar children or the lunar beings that belong in a group not to be absorbed into the group, but really be able to determine they're the, the metaphor we use is the canary in the coal mine. They're the ones who can, as I said before, determine what the mean average is. What's the feeling here? Is this a group that's being uplifted? Are they in fear or whatever? And then they can see who's different in the group, who's ready to step out of the group. So when they're interacting with people, their experience is going to be very different than a generator or a projector. And a manifestor says, oh, this is a group, follow me. Because they're, they're designed, you know, to just initiate and go get things, you know, get things done. And they can be in a group, but they're always going to have to lead. They're not really in the group. So when you're out there in the conditioning field, you're going to feel different with who you're around. And you have to give yourself permission to really trust what you're experiencing in that field. It's very important. And how... Can we get thrown off by other people's energy? So if we go back to the emotional center, so you're saying people on the wave and not on the wave. So I'm not on the wave. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be, so that means my, what was that uh, chakra called? G-center? That, the G-center, the solar plexus. The solar plexus. Solar plexus. Mine is open. Mm-hmm. If I'm around someone who has a colored and solar plexus, how could it possibly throw me off? Because I'm around their energy now. So you're a manifesting generator. I'm going to do it in response to your type. You have a lot of energy. But when someone steps in with an emotional current, do you sense if they're in a good mood, a bad mood, if they're up or if they're down? Can you sense that? Oh, yeah, immediately. I know. Okay, so you're you're amplifying it, okay? So let's say if they're in a bad mood for a long period of time, it's going to affect you electromagnetically. And what will happen is you'll feel a fight or a flight energy inside of you. And you'll feel, mm-hmm. I got to get the heck out of here. Or I'm going to say, come on, what are you doing? Snap out of it. You'll want to get that frequency back to where you are, which is level, even, humming in your current. Everything's okay. <laughs> Whereas an emotional person, they're very juicy. They go up. Oh, my God, I need this. I need this. And then, oh, I don't need this. I desire this. So, so. It's what it does is it wears on your nervous system. So there's an amplification effect. An electromagnetic current comes in and you can't sustain it. So mm-hmm. it, it affects the autonomic nervous system and it affects primarily the sympathetic nervous system. And you can take it when it's up. It's great. But even if something's really, really enthusiastic, you're going to have to step away from it. Have you experienced that? I definitely do the flea thing for... Almost everyone, except let's say, like my mom, I love her. And I will, when I think she's off, I will fight her because I'm like, you need to see this more logically. You're making the wrong decision. But I'm only doing that because like, I really care for her. Otherwise, I really don't like being around emotional energy. (laughs) Yes, yes. 
And my mind makes me feel bad about it because I will leave. I will physically, I need to get out and I'll be like, let's have this conversation. Yes. You're like just calmer. And I'm trying to understand, am I, am I supposed to learn how to handle their energy and being able to interact with them? Or will I always, or is it right for me to just like leave them be? Because that's what I do. But again, my, my story in my mind is like, well, being a bad human being for doing that. You know, you're not listening to someone's emotions. Yeah, so that's that's your story. The reality is, go into deep breathing. The breathing, and I love the fact that breath weekends are the thing, soup du jour now in this country. Um, you can breathe, go into deep breathing because that calms your nervous system. And so you can be present rather than reactive because there's going to be a real strong reaction because you're protecting your body from this distortion of how you see what's going on. And the key thing is, is you're designed to state your truths, but sometimes it can be dangerous. And sometimes the person, I loved what you said with your mother, because you care, you were not afraid to confront and cut through and say, hey, come on. Now, it's not that you can change the way the wave is operating in a person, but you can confront the issue at hand so you're not entangled in it by walking away or just stating your truth. That will always be what happens. Always feel it. Now, my whole family, my closest friends are all in the wave. So I've learned about it, but it was it was really traumatic as a child being around it. It was really hard because I didn't understand it. And that was one of the gifts of human design because I would say the major gift of human design is to understand it's not so much as sexual differentiation, it's how emotions are handled. It doesn't mean that we don't feel, If and I'm not mm. on the wave, it doesn't mean that we don't feel, it doesn't mean that we're not sensitive, it doesn't mean that we're not caring. We just don't have this distortion that comes through. So let's say a coach is out there who's wired up with the emotions and say emotions are the big power and you've got to engage your emotional field. Someone who's not on that wave frequency is going to say, I just don't have that energy to go up and down. It's not authentic. It's not who I am. Will that limit my impact in the world? Well, it will to a certain extent. It will because uh, I would give the uh, the charismatic manifesting generator on the wave big time is Anthony Robbins. A manifesting generator who is not on the wave is Eckhart Tolle. Their energy is different. So the other aspect of human design I love is what's the quality of energy that's being expressed through that person? Uh, I love Winnie the Pooh, when the slingshot, when the, when the little guy has a slingshot and hits the bear, he says, don't hit me, you know, don't hit me. So we're looking at a person as a solid form, that they're a psychological complex and we get angry at them. It's to say, whoa, their, their frequency is one that is variable. They're going to go up and down. But I can't be around it because it's weakening me. It's making me angry. I'm amplifying that emotion. And if I stay here, I'm going to say, what the? And I'm going to push back. And and then I say, well, that's not who I am. People say I'm so emotional. No, you're amplifying that field. So the open centers are amplification fields. They're going to amplify what's around you. And that's why in groups... People who are very emotional can be very charismatic because it's mm-hmm. it's the human. That's why I love children. I love my granddaughter. She's on the wave. She's so dramatic. <laughs> She's so dramatic, but I love it. It's like, what's she feeling? 
<clears throat> so it's fun. I love it. We've gone very deep and probably for some of you super new to this, it might be tricky to follow. So to make this, to zoom out a little bit and make this more practical, what, if we go through all the types, what are the main things that each person should know about them that I could, let's say, implement right now in how they're making decisions, mm -hmm. how they motivate themselves, just move through the world where they're like, okay, just to give some genuine value in changing that. Understand that there's type envy, that when you discover your type, you may not feel good about it. <clears throat> you may say, oh my God, I can't believe this. But your friend can say, oh yes, I can see it in you. So have fun with it. You know, life, you need to have some fun. It can be very humorous because most of us are have been not self and we're whatever. So the manifester, know of a manifester, you deal with rejection constantly. You have a closed aura. You're here to initiate and make things happen. The signpost, if you're not living who you are, <clears throat> is going to be anger or depression. And the signpost or the signature of, ah, I'm living my design, is going to be peace. So manifesto, you just want to be at peace. You're going to feel the anger. You're going to feel the depression. But ultimately, you want to move toward peace. The generator, oh my God, I'm so frustrated. That's going to be the, the signpost, you could say, for the generator. Frustration, frustration, frustration. Now, the signature when you start living your design is going to be satisfaction. Satisfaction. You have a good meal. Oh, my God, I feel so good. That was such a good meal. Great trip. Great movie. <clears throat> it's that awareness that your energy has been used. It's satisfied. So it doesn't mean... <clears throat> that you're not frustrated. It means that when you respond, that frustration either wants you to quit and it builds, or that mm. frustration gets you to the next level of mastery. And then when you achieve that mastery, you're real satisfied. And then the projector, oh my God, the projectors, the signpost is bitter. Bitterness. Why doesn't someone see me? I feel so unrecognized. Why can't I be the center of attention? How come she's doing this and I'm stuck here? And the signpost is when you're feeling bitter, you better learn about your type because mm -hmm. with the projector, because their signature is success. The only type that's designed for success as the signature is the projector, but the projector is a certain path that they have to go on in order to have that. And then we have the reflector. I love reflectors. <clears throat> and their signpost is, or let's say their there's signpost that something's off is going to be disappointed. I'm always disappointed. Everybody's the same, same old, same old. I've been there. I've done that. I'm disappointed. With a reflector being in the correct group and noticing what's different within the group gives them, you could almost say, the sense of surprise. Oh, my God, there is something different for me. I don't have to have broccoli every night to be healthy. I can have an ice cream soda if I want, you know, something like that. So, so each, each type has a, what we call a signpost that says, whoops, you're living how you've been conditioned to be, but it's not in alignment with who you can really experience yourself as. And then yeah. that becomes what we call the signature because, because you could say that your imprint is your signature. So that that's, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of basic and it can say, okay, what's going on here? And it can begin the exploration into your type. What I really like about what you just said is that 
the anger, the frustration, the, you know, feeling disappointed, they're not bad emotions. They're just like signaling to us that, hey, you might be off track to your like true, the journey you're here to take. So they're actually super needed. So again, getting out of the story of like, oh, I shouldn't feel this way or this is a bad emotion, trying to, you know, move yourself into a different emotion. And actually, it definitely, I mean, had I not, you know, had I not gone on my journey, let's say, over the last 12 months, I wouldn't be here. Like, I would just continue doing what I'm doing, right? But because it was like, just what is the world and what is life? And just like all these questions that just like, okay, it's time to go somewhere else. So very grateful now, but for sure uncomfortable in the middle. Not cool, but needed. Yeah, those are the transitions. Those are the transitions. But as a manifesting generator, you were able to be frustrated, but it was helping you break through to the next level of self-mastery. You know, even though you left, I would say it's not so much you quit, You left your job because something was propelling you to the next level of mastery. Mm -hmm. I love this. There's so much more to unpack. (laughs) Yeah, so much more to unpack here. And I, I don't even know. Like you've been, you've been studying this for 22 years. It's. I feel like I've I've done readings with you. I've we've done masterminds. I've, I've explored this, and I only like I'm scratching the surface. So, for anyone who wants to better understand themselves and dive into this with your guidance how would they how could they reach out to you and get your support i have a website and it's humandesignconsultations.com and when i work with people because i'm trained in different modalities my goal in working with people is to move them to understand how they make decisions so they can be self-empowered in the change they want to be and their focus becomes not egotistically working on themselves But as they understand, as they make better decisions, they impact other people in a way that it's very hard to, you could say, measure. But there is an impact and empowerment. And you can see that in your life. You end up, in a way, being of service to other people without intentionally striving for that. Because when you make decisions, it opens you up to experience what that decision brings you, rather than having a mental goal of, I've got to keep going in this. I don't have time for you. I don't have it. It's just a very different process. And so I help them understand that, you know, where they are, what kind of decision do they have to make and what is their gift? I love this so much. And I want to go deeper. So perhaps we're going to have to do an episode, second part of this episode, because I'm very curious to hear your story and what even got you to this level of exploration for yourself, because I'm sure there is a beautiful story there. So Barbara, we appreciate you so much. This was so beautiful. I love you. I, <clears throat> I love your process. Love your generosity. Thank you. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I just appreciate you so much because in my journey, human design has helped a lot, genuinely. And I think whenever I'm in my frustration and nothing's happening the way I want it to be, then I'm like, I literally write an email to Barbara. I'm like, nothing is working. <laughs> Can we have a conversation? Yeah. <laughs> so, and you always say like, oh, I loved reading your email. I can see it in your chart. Yes, yeah. this is what you're experiencing. <laughs> so, I mean, such a, you've been such a guide. So really, really appreciate that. And again, thank you for today. And let's do this again and let's dive in even deeper. Sounds great. Okay. Beautiful. Thank you. Mm-hmm.